The first hour, we were selling a bikini every two seconds. It's so exciting, but it's also like, wow, this is bigger than the market store that I <laughs> thought I was going to have. And I think like I never set out to have this big business. It was never my goal. My goal was like make bikinis, make women feel great. Building brand is about community. We make for our bitey babes. Our customers feel like they can walk into our store and they're like, oh my God, this store is so me. Like, I love this store. Creating something by yourself is lonely. You know, for a long time, I didn't really have anyone to turn to. Like when problems would come, it was like me, just me. And I think what I'm so proud of now is that we have a team that are great problem solvers and we work together. And I feel like success looks like is having people around you that can build up the business and build up the brand and have that same vision that you can kind of turn to and be like, I'm a bit stuck here. And they're like, yep, I've got this. Let's work through this together. At the end of the day, like what, what is the choice you have? Like, I'm not going to pack up. Where am I going? Like, I think, and that's like what you have to remember is there's, there's no other option but to push forward. Tomorrow's a new day, one foot in front of the other. There is no other option. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing on whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. Let's go again. We're doing it. We've got the whole entourage in yes. today. The most, this is the, the record, the most people we've had in the studio, including Yui. One, two, three, four, five, six in the in the new studio. So breaking records already. Amazing. Um, it's also your first podcast. So we have Desi Harris uh, today coming on the podcast, the founder, creative director of ViD. You've gone from a market stall to a global brand that's loved all around the world um, in the space of a few years. So I'm excited to get to tell your to your story and, and hear all about you know how you've been able to to make that happen. So thanks for coming in, thanks for bringing the crew and, and and welcome. You're only around the corner, so another local one. Yes, thank you for having us. We're really excited for sure. Now there's there's so much I want to chat to you about, um, but before we get into it, for anyone who doesn't know Bidey. In your own words, how would you explain the brand? What do you guys do? What are you guys about? What are your products? Yeah. So I guess um, what we do is we do, um, we create swimwear mostly. Um, we have like a ready to end resort wear as well as part of the brand. Um, what we're about, I guess, is very much about empowering women, making women feel amazing. We kind of say like, we're not changing the world, but we're making women feel amazing and making people kind of have a reason to book a trip or, you know, go on that girl's trip or, you know, do do something that makes you feel special. Like people buy, you know, a beautiful Beckenbridge dress or an occasion dress because they've got an occasion. We want people to buy a bikini to, to, to do something, to go on a holiday, to have like special time with friends. So it's all about kind of having that moment with our body babes. And I feel like that's what we're about. Yeah. And, um, what was your other, do you have, have another question there? Uh, I think no? you answered it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's real Euro summer vibes. <laughs> totally. Right? Like, that's the whole, yeah. like I'm going, hello, I'm like, yeah, go, as I said, I'm going to Europe in like a month and a half. So yes. look, yeah. looking at all your content and the content's Fucking incredible. It's like an inspirational piece of content, not because of just the products as well, which I'm sure like all the females love, but just the whole vibe of it. Like it's a feel Mm. good, like obviously would make you want to travel whenever you, whenever you see all that content. So, um, we'll get into all that and how important all of that's been. But from my perspective, like you're doing something quite unique. Like Mm. I'm sure there are other people that are doing similar, like kind of designs, but I've never seen someone execute like this sort of style in the way you have. So I want to get into that whole business journey and and the amazing scale you've got to got to recently. You were just saying you're outgrowing offices and warehouse less than every two years now. So you're, you're growing at a crazy rate. But I want to start before that because it didn't start with business for you, right? It started no. with like falling in love with design and fashion. Tell me, when did that all start? Yeah, I guess. So we can go back to the very beginning Do to it, really start it. Okay. So I guess 
growing up, I had like um, two really supportive parents, which I think is a big part of anyone's journey. So I think my dad was always um, solely employed. He's an architect. My mom was kind of like a homemaker, but really had such an entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit. She was like a real go-getter. She'd always be like, I'd be like, I've got this idea. She's like, yeah, let's do it. Like always like the sky was the limit, just like reach for the stars. Whereas my dad was probably a little more risk adverse. And I feel like as I've gotten older, I've become like a really nice balance (laughs) of the two. I feel like mom was the one that really pushed me to doing this. And then like, like dad's been the one that I've kind of gone to, to be like, what about this? And he's like, let's weigh up the risks. And I feel like it's been a really nice mix of that. And I feel like I've kind of had that mix. So I think in terms of when that was kind of the beginning of it all. And I mean, my earliest days of kind of trying to start a business was probably I was 11 and um, my mom was doing market stores at the time selling jewelry just as like a side hobby. And I started making like cards. So like thank you cards, happy birthday cards. And I actually would finish school and set up a little table next to her for like the last hour. And um, often like I'd put the table and sometimes the counts would actually, it was at Bondi Junction. They'd ask me like, where, who, who, like, who are you with? I'm like, <laughs> oh, my mom's over there. They're like, yeah, you've got to go over there. Like I just set up a table randomly oh, nice. and like I'd make like $80 in like an afternoon selling like little cards and then like mom would be like fuck you sometimes make more money than me like because the markets were so slow back then and people would just see me and they'd be like oh we'll buy you buy a card so I guess that's like kind of the early like very early days of like kind of trying to get into business I guess um if you want to call it that and then um I studied uh I finished high school and I I guess I like in my last year of high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I kind of never really loved watching TV or doing anything of that sort. So I kind of started to make bikinis actually as just a hobby. And I remember the first bikini I made, my mom was like, Oh my God, you can make these for your friends. I was like, okay. So I posted a photo on Facebook. Um, like, and this wasn't marketplace. It was like literally on my Facebook wall. And I was like, Oh, I made this bikini. And like, all of a sudden, like people were commenting like, Oh my God, can I have one? I'm like, yeah, sure. I can make one. So mom's like, okay, well we need to get more fabric. And so went to the fabric store, bought more fabric. And like during my HSC exams, I was like on the quad selling bikinis for like $25 a set. Um, and then I'd post more colors and like I've still got photos I had like a photo of me standing in my bedroom flash on at night head cut off top and bottom with little photos around the screen of just like the swatches but I didn't even have any of these colors I just like found the colors and I thought well once someone orders the color I'll then go buy the fabric to make it so that's I guess how I started and then um kind of on fluke thought, well, why didn't I just study fashion if this is what I'm wanting to do? So, you know, with your HC, you can like arrange what you wanted to do. Policing was actually what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a police officer. Night before I was like, let's just swap it to fashion, <laughs> like see what happens. And um, wow. ended up getting the marks and went to UTS and did fashion. And then I guess um, like loved fashion, but then I thought really fell in love with the business side of things. And um, yeah, then I started my market journey, which would you like me to go into that a little bit? Yeah. Like I've already got so many questions yeah. like back, back to like that experience of your mom teaching you and your sister how to make clothes. Yes. How special was, was that experience growing up getting, getting your mom to teach you? I guess at the time, like it was, it's so special looking at it, but now at the time, I think it was just normal for us. Like it didn't feel special. It just felt normal. Like we'd have a birthday party and it would be a dress up party. Mom's like, okay, what, what do you want me to make you? And so it was just quite normal for us. Um, and we just kind of grew up with a sewing machine, like readily at hand and fabric always around. So, um, yeah, sewing was something we just grew up with and it was like, just normal. Do you feel like when you were, was it, you said you HSE when you're selling, you're selling stuff like in the breaks and stuff. Did, did you take, do you feel like you took HSE any less serious because of the, the side business you were doing or did you feel like it motivated you to like 
get good marks so you could then go study fashion. No, I think it motivated me. I think I, I, I guess I can become quite obsessive with things. So I think I, I became quite like addicted to the studying and like the kind of striving and like I really wanted to do well. I can become quite like focused and like obsessive over things. So I think I kind of honed in on that. And um, yeah, I kind of didn't do anything else other than study and make bikinis really. And then I lied in the sun studying, which I mean, don't recommend doing that. <laughs> but um, yeah. So that, that journey, it, it, I, I want to talk about the markets, but before there, that uni university experience. Now, I I've spoken about uni a lot um, for di for different things. I think you're one of the people that I feel like that I've spoke to on this podcast so far. That it seems like what they learn at uni actually would have given them the most real life skills that they're actually using their business. But do you feel like what you did at uni was worth it? And do you still use those skills and what you learn today? Or I mean, I don't know if I like the hard skills I learned. I definitely like pattern making. I mean, like you know, we outsource our manufacturing, like most, you know, Australian retailers, unfortunately we don't produce here. So like, I don't have to patent make, I don't, but I think having the understanding of things is still really important. Like I'm still the fit model for the brand. I sit in all the fittings cause it's on me. Um, like I can understand like if we need to adjust pattern pieces or adjusting things, like let's, I just did a fitting before I came here. It was like moved this leg line one centimeter, like, and I can understand that. So I feel like that has benefited, benefited me, but I think probably just the overall university experience and being exposed and meeting different people, understanding, like just, I guess life a little more. I think that those probably softer skills that I learned, I think were more important. So would you say it was worth it? Be honest. Um, I don't want to say it wasn't worth it. I, I loved my uni years. I mean, I'm not going to lie. In the last year, I definitely paid some people to write some essays <laughs> for me. So I didn't necessarily do it. And I think some of the assignments were pointless, but I loved the whole experience of just like, I got to go to Singapore for uni. That was super exciting. Like I got to meet amazing people that I've still got in my life today um, that are like such close friends or people that I've, you know, leaned on for certain business things. So I'd say it was worth it for that. Yeah. yeah. See, like I, I was, um, I went to uni very briefly. I was doing like a double degree of law and commerce. I lasted like three months. Um, but the only thing that I miss is like having that uni experience. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like the relationships you build, the connections that you have. It's just like, it's such like a part of like, you know, growing up, you yeah. know what I mean? That I missed out on. I did my own things, but that's the only thing I look back at in like not doing uni and like uni games and doing all that fun stuff. But, um, so from uni, what point was it that you started? Were you still at uni? Had you graduated when you started making the pieces um, to take to the market stalls? Yeah. So I started making the pieces before uni. So I kind of went into uni having like, I guess, a bit of a brand, but I wouldn't say it was a, a real brand at that point. But um, like I was making bikinis and I think when I started uni in my first year of uni, I did my first market store, which was at Glebe Markets. Um, I think the, the OG, you know, totally. you remember how they got cancelled before? Like they got yes, shut down, but they're, they're still they're open. Back. They're back. Yes, great they're news. back. Yeah, so great news. Um, but yeah, that's where I started. So kind of, um, yeah, started the degree and then was also just, it got, when I finished high school, I was still making bikinis and, and doing the degree at the same time and then did my first market store. It wasn't probably until I think my second year of um, uni that I kind of went full-time with markets and by the third, year, I was pretty much full-time in the business. So that's when I was kind of paying people to do a few essays and yeah, things. So I was do. exactly. And then, um, yeah. And then just doing the markets, I was doing Glebe on a Saturday, Warrywood on a Friday, Manly on a Sunday. I then started doing uni markets at UNSW, Wollongong Uni on a Wednesday, alternating weeks. So yeah, I was really kind of heavy in the markets, Paddington. Yeah. Cause I was curious, like when I, when I was doing some research on you, I read that you were doing like markets full time. I'm like, what does that look like? Is it the days you're not at the markets, you're like madly sewing yep. and putting things together. Yes. And then the rest of your time, you're actually at the market selling. Yeah. 
And I had an online store at the time, but it was like a Wix site. It was pretty okay. basic. So I would get like maybe two or three orders a week. So, so for like, so for those, um, and, uh, yeah. And then go to the market screen on the weekend. I also employed my mum as well in my third year when it was kind of just all becoming a lot. Mum was like, I can help with this. And I'm like, okay. So I would just pay her per piece that she would make at first. She wouldn't take anything, but then as it progressed, I'm like, well, I may as well pay you. I could pay someone else. Yeah. And I did go down the route. I found like a couple of local makers and I really tried that, but it just didn't quite, um, like the quality didn't quite align to what I wanted. Um, I even got to the point where I had a few girls doing market stalls for me, but again, it just never really, um, push through. I think markets are hard. Like you've got to shove everything in your car, go and pop up a whole store, put a smile on all day, sell the product, pack the product down. Like you've got wind, rain, like all the elements. Yeah. So. I've got, yeah. I've got, I've got some friends that, that do markets and we, um, we'll go like visit them on weekends and stuff. And it's a fun experience for us. Yeah. But like you said, yeah, it isn't like easy doing no the markets. Like there's a lot of work involved, but it was like a big cornerstone of how you got to where you are today. Is markets a channel? Like if someone was starting a small business, where they were making their own products, say clothing, fashion, jewelry, mm. natural skincare, that sort of stuff. Would you recommend markets as, as like a good channel to start when you're at the beginning of your journey? Or? Yeah, I think like being in Sydney, I think we're so lucky. We have so many at our fingertips. I think it's the best form of market research ever. The markets was what taught me what customers want. Like I would literally like, I guess how you would merge a website now, I would like merge the source. I'd put something on the front and like, you'd kind of see people, it would catch their attention. Um, and I also sold, sold bralettes at the time. So it was a lot of, uh, at the markets, a lot of bralettes would sell cause they were about $50. So they were quite like a affordable price. So I'd kind of put like a really colorful bralette at the front. So someone would kind of go to that and then they'd go to the back and be like, Oh, you've got black. Okay, great. And they'd buy the black one. But when I put the black, black at the front, no one was even being drawn in. So it was like, you were kind of playing. So it's like, you know, you get your homepage, you put your hero product on, but then people might go on and buy the more simple style, but it's like, it's the style that's going to blow them away. But like, oh, I probably wouldn't wear that. So it taught me that it taught me like, you know, girls would come in and they're like, oh, I just wish this was adjustable. I'm like, okay, noted. Let's do that in an adjustable style. Next week I'd make something with adjustability or, you know, I would take on their feedback or people would be like, oh, I just feel like this color washes me out. I'm like, okay, great. So let's not do that shade. So you would just hear like so much. And I was like real time making the changes. And how long does it take for you to make like one piece? So when I was making everything, so it was about 20 minutes to make yep. one piece. Um, whilst I was at the markets, we did, I did find a manufacturer and start doing my swimwear offshore and I was still making all the bralettes and um, intimates in-house. So like me and my mum were making all of those and then the swimwear was offshore. How, how difficult was that process? Cause like you said, you tried with some local makers, couldn't really get the quality right. Uh, and like when you go to, to outsource something to like a mass manufacturer overseas, so you can actually start to scale. Mm. I imagine there are a lot of difficulties getting the quality and the styles, the shapes exactly to match what you were doing. Yeah. How difficult was that process? I mean, it was really hard. I think at one point I sent over all my patterns because I was obviously making everything here. So I sent over all my patterns, but then when we wanted to do different styles that I'd never done before, um, I yeah had to work with them on that. And it was really hard in the beginning. We kind of went through, I think, two manufacturers, but then we found one that quite worked for where we were. Um, and now we've got multiples that we, we use. And I think it's just a journey. It's not easy though. How many rounds of samples would you say on average, if you're going to launch a new, completely new style that it takes to get something right? I'd say for a new style, that's not based off anything. So a lot of the time, if a style is based off something, you can kind of say similar to this, but change this strap. And if you're doing that one to two, if it's not based off anything, it's completely new. I'm um, usually about four to five. <laughs> well, sorry. Choking <laughs> on air here, people. Sorry about that. Um, okay. So four to five. Now, obviously it's a big decision you got to make in the journey to like shift from 
markets? Because like, all right, well, wh- wh- where were you at in terms of like, what sort of revenue were you doing when you're at the markets and, and what made you like decide there's got to be a better way to, to, to scale this? Yeah, it was, to be honest, it was really hard. It was 2019. I was kind of like, had this online store. I'd actually moved to Shopify at this point and I was seeing sales. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. From Wix to Shopify. <laughs> I was seeing sales starting to grow and I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, okay, I can keep doing this market thing. I mean, the market thing was great because it allowed me to fully fund the business myself. Like I never had to take a grant or a loan or anything. I was able to fully fund it. Cause I would, anything I'd make at the markets, I'd put straight back. Also I was living at home. I had like no overhead. So it was very easy to do that. Um, and then I guess it was really like I came to a point where the online store and the markets were actually even at, at the same wow, point. Okay. And I was like, okay, I can't do any more with the markets. The markets is, you know, I'm purely relying on the foot traffic, the weather, all these external factors that are out of my control. So I kind of told myself, I'm just going to stop it for six months. We'll see how we go. I can always go back. Um, and I never went back, of course. Well, good timing, 2019, you decided I'm going to give it for markets and go online. Yes. And then I guess like from there, like, yeah, went offline and then soon after that moved into my own apartment, I thought, look, I'll kind of start it in my apartment. I had a spare room full of stock. Um, and I thought this will be, this will last me a couple of years. And, um, yeah, within nine months outgrown the apartment and into a warehouse. So it happened quite quickly. Yeah. That's such a, a a crazy experience when you start like moving from home to like a a small little office and warehouse to a bigger one. And then you guys have grown to the point now where you, you were just talking, I think it was off air. You've got like an amazing office just in Rosebury. You have a, a warehouse down the road from where we are. And it's like, it all started from that, like your, your mom's kitchen bench, then to your bedroom. Like yeah. what, what, do you ever stop and reflect and think how far you've come? Sometimes, but probably not enough. I think that's something sometimes the girls at work are like, oh my God, can you like, you know, Camila Cabello wore a piece at, um, at Coachella. It was super exciting. And, you know, it was just like, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Camilla, wow. That's huge. Like, I, I think I have to really process it. I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. I think sometimes you're just like, okay, I'm very focused. I'm like, okay, well, what's next? What's next? What's next? And like, you sometimes get caught up in the next and you're not sitting there and thinking about the present. And I think that's something I'm like really trying to work on. <laughs> All right, guys, just quickly, I've got some news. I've spent close to the past 18 months building the ultimate program that takes you through the complete process. And I mean the complete process of launching and scaling your very own e-commerce brand from zero all the way up to a million dollars plus per year. And now with this program, what you're going to get access to is 15 modules with over 100 training videos and 23 hours of in-depth content, taking you through everything you need to know to build a successful e-com brand. And this is the important part. This isn't just stuff that you can look up on YouTube. This is stuff I've taken from real lessons and experiences building Happy Skin Co. from zero all the way up to an eight figure per year brand. You're gonna get access to loads of custom tools, templates and calculators that I've used to build and run Happy Skin Co. There's gonna be one-on-one mentoring with myself and other expert coaches. And there's also weekly group Q&A calls with myself to make sure you're feeling completely supported throughout the entire process. And now what I've learned from consulting to everyone from people starting their very first e-commerce brand all the way up to brands already doing seven figures plus per year is that there's a process and a framework to follow if you want to be successful with e-com. Now, if this is something you're interested in, hit the link below and go to join.viralbrandbuilder.com. All the information's there and you can book a call directly with me. Otherwise, send me a DM and we can chat there. Anyway, let's get back to the pod. Yeah, that's definitely something I feel like a lot of people that are in business struggle with. I feel like a couple things have helped me connect to that better is, is one having the podcast because I'm, I'm talking to people about their journey every single, like every, like multiple podcasts a week, sometimes talking about where they started, some of those pivotal moments along the way. So it always like makes me think back and 
over the last year or so, I have reflected a lot on, on the journey and how special it is to be able to like change a life. Cause like we grow up as these like people and, and I don't know about you. Like I always felt like I, I had like, there was something more out there for me, something special, but because I grew up in the suburbs, none of my parents were in business. Like went to public school. I didn't really have anyone around me that I saw that had a business, anything like what I have, like it was, it was just not on my radar. So mm -hmm. it's like to, to completely change your life like that is one of the most like crazy experiences. And to me, and, and, and what's the most rewarding as, as we were talking briefly, how I, I do a lot of the mentoring um, with other people in e-com. It's like, it's not about the money. It's about like the changes in yourself and the, and the changes in your life. It's, and you realize like how much control you really do have over, over your own destiny. So I want to ask like, what point for you was it that you realized how, like what you had here? Like, I know it started kind of like, okay, you're making pieces for friends and that's really nice and cool. But what part did you realize, holy shit, this is a real business? Mm, I think, um, so we kind of launch in collections. So we will launch a collection and um, I think when I realized was when the collections were starting to sell out within hours mm -hmm. and we were getting, I think like our recent collection, it was like, the first hour we were selling a bikini every two seconds and just like seeing that and like seeing that like the t everyone's just like, it's so exciting, but it's also like, wow, how are we going to keep up with this? And I think, um, you know, we still kind of have those pro not problems, but we still have that, that I guess fate now. And, and that's when we, when I first had, that was when I realized like, okay, wow, this is bigger than the market store that I <laughs> thought I was going to have. And I think like similar to you, I, I never set out to have this big business. It was never my goal. My goal was like make bikinis, make women feel great, make the cool designs that people haven't seen before and like see where it takes me. I never had this like vision of like, okay, I'm going to have a store. I'm going to have a US, um, I'm going to have this. I'm going to have, like, I never had that kind of clear, I guess, business plan. It was more just like rolling with it and it kind of um has just come come to this so talk to me about like moments like you just had because for, for me with like my my big like econ business with like the at home ipl handsets it's not like a launch or a new collection drop so it's like our numbers are like consist like pretty consistent like there's no big spikes or anything like that really obviously we have like our big sale periods black friday and whatnot but like i've got a lot of friends that are in, in different types of fashion or, or, or and things like that talk to me about your biggest launch, like the moment you hit live, the ADMs go out, like everything's unlocked. Talk to me, like walk me through like that day and, and leading up because I feel like a lot of people will take a lot of inspiration out of like being a fly on the wall for those moments and you do it and you're not sure what results yeah, are going to come. Totally. And then you sell a bikini every two seconds. Yeah. So I guess maybe I'll speak about it when I first did it. So like yes. first yeah, time was like sitting on the kitchen bench with my mom on the website and like kind of frantically, we've got the boxes laid out on the lounge room floor. Mum's like already got them in the style count. We've got like a couple of like compostable bags um, on the side and um got my printer ready upstairs loaded with A4 paper. So like press live and then you just see the like kind of numbers spike. And I think at that point, maybe we had like 500 people on the site, which like was huge. And we were just, you know, ecstatic. Mum was like, oh my God, she's calling her sister. She's calling all the, you know, all the family. Like, Desi's just done this launch. You've got to go see it. Like, you know, so happy and excited me, my mum packing the orders. My sister came home from school. She's packing the orders with us. It's a full family, you know, family thing. Um, drive them, put them in the back of the car, drive them to the post office, drop them off at the post office. They're like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> and we've got, no, we've got some more bags coming. So that was, I guess, back, you know, a couple of years ago. Now, I guess the most recent launch, which was only a couple of weeks ago, you know, we've got a gorgeous boardroom. We've got it set up with the live stream. We've got, you know, it's a Greek collection. Um, so we've got 
Greek inspired cocktails that the team had made. We've got Greek um, like pastries and cookies, all the teams in this room. We put it live. We've got the US website, AU website, and we're seeing thousands of people roll in. And it's just like, it's crazy because, um, you know, we've got a few people in the business who have never quite seen that for new product launches. They've seen it for sales like Black Friday and things, but we don't participate in, in those sales. Um, we don't really do sales. So I think seeing that for a new product launch, this customer has never seen this product and how passionate and how excited they are. It's just like all that kind of blood, sweat and tears that leads up to that collection. I feel like we put our heart and soul in it. So to see people receive it so well is like the best feeling ever. And you know, one of our girls in house actually hand painted one of the prints and like, she was like, you know, almost in tears. Cause she was so excited. Like people are buying something. She's literally painted. Like it's just um, so special. That's crazy. And like, I know there's not like, it's like years of build up to that point. And, I'll, and we'll get into the building brand and, and how you feel like you've built the brand because like there's no e-com hack that you can do to just make that happen. Like it's, it's, it's really is the brand, but what, what does a launch day look look like? How are you driving all like those thousands of people to the website in like the space of, of, of a minute? Yeah. So I think the day is obviously important, but I think the lead up's really important. So I think the hype building is what I think at ByD we do quite well. You know, it's um, sneak peeks. It's, you know, the first, the first video we ever release is a real vibe. It's a little blurred. You can't quite see the product, but you know the vibe. You're like, okay, I need to see more. So it's like, that's a little kind of teaser. Then after that, we've got some BTS content. Then we've got some reels that come through. That's like real flashy content, um, you know, and I guess we kind of workshop that with the team. We kind of try and align with what's trending. So a lot of that's done through the social space. Then we have a sign up form which goes out in paid ads. So, you know, an f- image or a, a reel that you can sign up to um, find out a be notified as soon as the collection drops. Um, so that goes out in paid ads to new customers and our existing customers are just kind of fed sneak peeks. And then, um, yeah, just continually doing uh, sneak peeks up until about a week before we post pretty much every day about it. Um, and then on the day we've got EDM that goes out, text that goes out and um, real TikTok and post and then post in the afternoon. So I guess, you know, a constant flow of content, usually three weeks um, up until the lead up. So uh, I love hearing about stories like this, honestly. Now tell me what I want to know. We'll we'll get into more of the business stuff, but what I really want to know is now you've got all the team, you've launched, like it's like, as I said, you don't know, like you can, you can hope and you can feel, and you can look at past results and feel like it's going to be successful. But when you do drop a launch like that and it's record breaking and you're selling a bikini every two seconds, then you're all there. I'm sure you, you hang around late. You're all hyped. Talk to me about the feeling. Everyone goes home. You turn off the lights, you jump in your car and, and you sit by yourself in, 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 in silence for the first time. Mm. What emotions are you feeling? What's going through your head? Yeah. It's funny you asked that. I was actually speaking to my best friend. I actually called my best friend on the way home from that launch. And I was like, I just can't believe it. Like, you know, we sold out of a few stars. She goes, you always say you can't believe it. Like when will you believe it? And I'm like, yeah. Wow. I have never actually sat and thought about that. I don't know. Like maybe it's some, maybe it's like a, a protection, a protective method that we do of being like, you know, I can't believe it because we don't want to over, you know, over, um, I guess, uh, predict in case we're then disappointed. So we do this thing where we under predict so that we're blown away. And it's like, I guess it's like just managing your own expectations. So I think the feeling is always like, you know, excitement, shock. Um, I mean, just grateful, I guess, as well. Grateful that our customers believe and want our products so much that they keep coming back. Like to see like the, the return rate on those days is sometimes like 50, 60%. Because like the first day is usually like our bitey babes, core customers. And then like, you know, the general public kind of flows through after that because they're fed the ads later on. But, you know, it's our core customers. And I think for them, like they've 
a lot of them have come from the markets and like they've come all the way through. Like now that we've got the store, girls come in like, oh, I remember Desi from the markets. And it's this kind of full journey. And I think that's what I'm just like, wow, that is like, it, it is crazy. And it's, um, I feel like it's so like heartwarming to know that they've followed, followed the journey of Buddy all the way through and they believe in the product and they believe in the brand and they resonate so much with it that they've bought, brought from it from for the last seven years. From the market stalls to, to launches like that, it's a pretty crazy experience. Um, what do you think, like what moment or, or what about the journey makes you feel most proud, do you think? Mm. I think probably the team is what makes me feel most proud. I think creating something by yourself is lonely. I think I can't, it's, it's hard. It's hard because it's like, you know, for a long time, I didn't really have anyone to turn to. Like when problems would come, it was like me, just me. And I think what I'm so proud of now is that we have a team that are, you know, great problem solvers and we work together. And I feel like that is like, for me, what success looks like is having people around you that can build up the business and build up the brand and have the same, you know, the brand value that are aligned with the brand values and have that same vision that you can kind of turn to and be like, I'm a bit stuck here. And they're like, yep, I've got this. Let's work through this together. And I think that's what I feel most proud about. And what, what is the team at now? How many, how many are in your team? Yeah. So we've got about 10 full-time staff, um, a couple of contractors and with the casuals, contractors and full-time stuff, I think we're about 26. Yeah. And are you guys still packing all your own orders and stuff from the warehouse? Or? Yeah. So we do internal warehousing. So we've got a warehouse team as well. So we're currently in Alexandria, um, but we're looking to expand the warehouse. What made you make the decision to to run your own warehouse rather than a 3PL? Yeah, I guess when I started, 3PLs probably had a bit of a bad rep. I mean, I know they've changed now. Um, and I think just the control over it, like I think for us, like the customer experience is really important. And, you know, we just love to have that control over being able to change up our packaging if we need to, you know, go and do our QC checks, just have full autonomy over our warehouse. And I think that's probably what you lose in the 3PL. I definitely see the benefit to it, but I think at the moment we've just decided um, to keep it internally. Yeah. Personally, I, I prefer to keep things internal. Um, people have asked me so many times, why, why are you still doing your own orders? I'm like, dude, well, for one, like people think it's cheaper. It's not cheaper for not. a start. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, cause we have a 3PL in, in the U S that does like looks after a lot of our retail stuff, which is fine. But it's like, it's, you, you're so far away from it. Like you said, like you, these things go missing or things don't get, like there's a dispute between how much was paid. I'm like, and you just have, you're so separated from that. When you're, when you're building a brand, it, particularly with something like you guys, when you have so much repeat customers, like having a great customer experience the whole way through is so important. Now, in terms of like that journey of building, building the brand into what it is today, talk to me about how you've done that because people talk about building brand all the time. Like what, to you in, in your own words, what do you feel like building brand really is? Yeah, I think building brand is for us about community. It's about building something that people resonate with. I think like I always say, like we make for our bitey babes, like we're not for everyone. Like, you know, there's no one that goes into Maya and is like, oh my God, I love Maya. Like, <laughs> do you know, like it doesn't resonate with everyone. And I think that's like, what's so special about our brand is that our customers feel like they can walk into our store and they're like, oh my God, this store is so me. Like, I love this store. And I think that's what a brand is, is you create like for everything from the content through to like the music through to, I guess, you know, how, um, you know, how you speak the language, how you speak to your customers, everything like at the full kind of funnel of it is in, in line with your target market. And I think we've kind of narrowed down who is our bitey babe and how does she want to be spoken to marketed to, you know, what content does she like? And, you know, there's a lot of different bitey babes. We don't just have one. We have actually three profiles, but I think it's about tapping into what they want and we're designing for them. 
what I've what I've realized the more conversations like this I have with people reflecting on my own journey and everyone I've spoken to in e-commerce, like there's generally like a tipping point in in every company that ends up having a lot of successes journey where all the years of momentum or months of momentum really starts to like take off and like all the hard work was, was worth it. It's either a campaign or launching onto a new channel or a new, new product, whatever that may be. What was that moment for you guys? Um, I probably think overseas campaigns for us. I think creating aspirational content is what's really driven the brand to, to people like wanting to book a trip, you know, like they, they see our content like, oh my God, I'm buying this because I'm going to Greece or I'm buying this, I'm going to Italy. I think you can kind of get the vibe, but I'm like, you can't really shoot something in Byron Bay and pretend it's Italy. Like you can try, but it's not going to look like <laughs> Italy. So I think for us, it's probably been about having these overseas campaigns and really investing in them, investing in the content and yeah, I guess presenting that to the customer in a way that they feel like they need the bikini and they need to book that trip. Cause I think that's yeah really cool to the brand. Your, your first international campaign, that trip to Italy, how important was that to your journey? So I guess, to be honest, the first campaign we did, my partner and I decided to just go on a Europe trip. And I was like, well, I mean, I was kind of still doing this by D thing. Like I've got some production. I may as well just shoot while I'm over there. So it was a little bit like, I guess, not a fluke, but like, I wouldn't say a lot of planning went into it. Like, I mean, you mentioned last before that you're a little bit last minute. I'd say like, I'm probably not as last minute now, but I used to be super last minute. I was kind of like, yeah, I can book a model and um, yeah, just find a photographer. And I like emailed a whole bunch of hotels and one of them came back and like, yeah, you can shoot here for free. I'm like, great. So we just kind of like lined up this shoot in Italy and um, yeah, it was awesome. And then I was going to Morocco after and I was like, well, I could probably kind of see if I could find someone to shoot there. And I ended up finding someone who was happy to just shoot for the flights. And, um, she was an amazing model and, uh, the photographer was happy to fly over and, um, yeah, so it all worked out. But I guess like that first kind of overseas campaign, I got the first taste of it and I'm like, okay, this is amazing. Um, but it was hard to do after that because we didn't necessarily have the budget to just constantly fly over and do these campaigns. So we tried to make work you know, what we could within our means at the time. Um, and then as we've grown, we've really now um, made overseas campaigns a real priority of the business. How often do you think you do that nowadays? Like, Yeah. So, I mean, like, I guess personally, I love to travel. I mean, like, that's like, I guess the whole brand was built on, on travel. So, you know, for me, I really, um, we've actually just hired a general manager for the business. I was quite involved in the day-to-day -day operations and I love that. But I think I really wanted to move, you know, my, my role's hybrid. I'm a CEO and creative director. And I was kind of spending probably like 80 to 80% 80 of the time problem solving being CEO and 20% being a creative director. And I think the business um, is at a point now where I need to spend more time in, in that, in that field. And I think um, hiring a general manager has allowed me to do that. So I think this year we're doing, um, this will be our, we're doing two more overseas campaigns. So that'll be our fourth um, overseas campaign this year. And we're doing those. I'm going over in August. So um, yeah. That's awesome. And that decision to bring on a general manager, um, it's a big decision for like founders that are doing everything, running everything, controlling the whole process uh, to let go at times. What was that decision-making process like for you? Was it a difficult decision or were you excited to like not have to do as much as you have on your plate? Yeah, I guess like probably the decisions came when I started hiring more senior staff. I think um, you know, we, we, like many businesses, experience is expensive and you often, <laughs> you often go with people who are just keen, eager, have like an entrepreneurial spirit and like that works and that can get you only, that can get you quite far, but can only get you so far because you eventually need people who have been there before. Like, you know, there's things that you just 
don't even realize in that fly over your head. I'm like, we're sending to the UK, but we're not getting our VAT refunds when the customer's returning. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Like, you know, there's so many, there's so many things in business. So I think hiring experience. And when I was at the point where we started hiring a few experienced roles, um, you know, we hired a head of product, um, we hired, uh, like a, a digital marketing manager and, you know, those roles, I was very much reliant to tell me what to do. And, you know, there was a couple of times where I remember our, uh, one of our, my, our digital marketing manager kind of sat me down she was like, you're gonna have to give me a little more autonomy over things. And I'm like, I know, I know. And like, you know, those are the times when I'm like, you really need to look within you. Like, why am I hiring these people and paying these people and then still telling them what to do? Like they should be, they should be really helping to drive the business. So I think it's important to kind of align on a vision. And as long as like you're aligned on that vision, you can really give autonomy over to those people who have experience as long as you're working together. Yeah. And are you, do you hire for every role yourself? You do all the interviews yourself? Um, so actually we've, I've just started to step out of like more of the junior, um, junior kind of stuff interviews. Uh, but yeah, up until this point I was doing everything myself. What's, what's the biggest thing you've learned from hiring like the team you have? Yeah. I think biggest thing I've learned is trust your gut, like go with what, um, go with what your gut tells you, like give everyone an opportunity. But I think if you have a feeling it's usually right. And I've made that mistake before where I've had someone else in the room like, no, I think that I think they're going to work. And I'm like, oh, and then you've just, it's just, and it's not worked out. And I think it's a really negative experience for both people involved. Um, yeah. As an entrepreneur, when, when you don't go with your gut instinct because you want to listen, you know, listen to someone else's advice because you feel like they might be experienced in ways that you're not. And, and, and it proves your gut feeling like right. And you didn't listen to that. That's the worst that's the fucking worst feeling you can have. Yeah. Like you've got to be, when you're in business, like problems happen, you make mistakes and that's fine. But the ones that sting the most are when you go against your gut. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's Agreed. a tricky position. Now hiring's like, it's, it's like, like it's a little bit of magic. You know what I mean? Like it, you can't really get it down to a, a proper science, but it's like, if you can find the right people for your business, particularly when you're at the phase that you guys are growing so quickly, it's so important. Like if you hire five wrong people, like it can fucking absolutely stunt your growth to the point of like, I've seen businesses go on like a really cool growth trajectory. They had like a really ma- amazing agency partner. They're like we want to, you know, take the next step. Let's go all in-house. Let's hire a team of people. And they were nowhere near as good and it killed them. Now, what's your experience with like agency versus in-house what do you feel like has worked best and helped you guys grow the most, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think um, probably like things that we want control over, like our content warehousing, things like that that we spoke about, we do all in-house. Uh, in terms of, I guess, the ad space and um, the Google ad space, we've really we've relied on agency for that. I think um, that's probably... I, I find like agencies quite valuable in, in, in that aspect because I think, um, you know, they have people who are really quite experts in their field. You can have say like five or six people across the account rather than one or two full-time people within the business. So I think that's works quite well for us, but I think as we continue to grow, it's something that we'll constantly review. Yeah. The thing about like in an ideal world, I feel like I'd want to have everything in house, Mm. but the thing is like with, with ad buying in particular, right. It's like you said, like you got to pay for experience. It's like the best ad buyers own their own agencies or like are on like multiple, like six figures. And it's like to get the right people. I feel like ad buying is something that unless you're the like whiz and you're going to train them in, in your own way, that's not something you can fake it till you make it. Definitely. And I think also if they leave, it's, it's, really, oh, it's yeah. hard, it's hard exactly, choose to right. feel. Whereas I guess from an agency, it's, it's on, on them too. Yeah. Yeah. With, with your like transition to, from like markets to like the e-commerce focus, what do you think was your biggest challenge in that transition period? 
I guess probably the e-com side was a lot more business, whereas the market side was a lot more customer service and being on the forefront of making everything. So I guess that transition, not only with the transition came me stepping away from making everything, it came, you know, the whole business, the whole business and, and everything that that comes with. And I think that's probably where I was never like prepared. I guess I never had like a, I didn't come from a business background. So it wasn't something that I had a clear uh, idea of what I was necessarily getting into. And I think that's probably been challenging because it's like, constantly, you know, I probably get asked five questions today that I do not know the answer for, and I'm sure you're the same, but it's all just about problem solving. And I think that was probably the, one of the biggest differences is that it became a lot more business focused, um, rather than like fun, making products, customer focused. It gets real. And there's no, there's no university degree on like e-commerce, right? No, there's like not. There's, there's no, there's no uni that teaches that. And it changes so quickly. And what you did two years ago is not what you do today. So it's like, there's, it's really keeps you on, on, on your feet and you grow so quickly as, as an entrepreneur, you're faced with, with challenges at a rate far greater than in any other aspect of life. With that change, sometimes the growth is painful or uncomfortable. You have to face things that you didn't want to face or realize you have weaknesses. You didn't realize that you might've had. How do you feel like yourself as a person um, has, has grown? Like what are some of the changes you've seen in yourself over the last few years? Yeah, I think probably um, resilience is like a really big one that comes to mind. I think when I think about the problems I had four years ago and how distraught I'd be over some of them, like I remember we got this shipment and I didn't realize that you had to pay GST on imports over a certain amount. And so we got this bill and I was like, oh my God, it's like $4,000. Like that was my whole weekend at the markets. Like, what am I going to do later to find out that it all gets refunded, you know? <laughs> but like, you know, these are the things that like, I was, I was just so distraught about and I just, you know, was beside myself. And now some of the problems that we have, you know, warehouse labels not printing out properly and orders going and all these things that happen, which you know, you're kind of like, you're just taking your stride and you're like, okay, this is, this is, it becomes business as usual and you become quite used to it. Um, so I think that's probably one of the main things that comes to mind. When you first realized like how many problems you got to deal with and fix, like, did you ever, did you used to have a moment to yourself? I know why I did you like, fuck. Yeah. I didn't know this is what I was getting into. Like, obviously it is, but it's like, you don't realize you have to get, you have to accept really, really quickly with business that problems are going to always be there. And you've got to get used to that. And if you can't, and if you like, if you crumble when the pressure comes, like you, you got to get out because yeah, I don't, I think because with, with happy skin anyway, like the first six months of business, not everything went right. Like we were the first ones to launch the product. Everything was so easy. And then like the second year, you get all the second year growing pains with the business and you realize, holy shit, there are so many other things I didn't realize. What, what's like one of the biggest moments, like you, you, you gave one, but I'm sure there was other challenges you've had to overcome. One of the biggest moments of like lessons you've learned mm. that, that, you know, you, maybe you wish you knew earlier or like you would give that advice to someone starting because there's so many, but like, is there anything that stands out for you? I need a drink of water for that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> Loaded question. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think there's probably a few things. I think whilst I mentioned before, like experienced um, hiring experienced people is really important. I think probably being very conscious of who you're bringing in and who you're bringing around you and what, where they come, like what their background is. Like you're asking for, you know, like, like if I'm asking my mom, if something looks good, but my target market is like 18 to 34, her opinion kind of shouldn't really sway my designs. Like, and that's just an example. Or if you're asking like, you know, 
yeah, just making sure you're kind of getting the right advice from the right people. I think kind of early on, I was a bit of a sponge. Like I really listened to everyone. And like, you know, I remember asking, you know, people like, what, what about website platforms? And like these were people who'd never bought, um, built e-com businesses. So from actually Wix, I actually went to a WordPress website and that was something that like, it was a disaster. And I remember yeah. someone had told me like, don't go to Shopify. You have, and I'm, and now it's like, you know, and I remember reading forums online, like, but everyone's saying go to Shopify. Like, no, 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 you should really. And it's like, when I looked at that person, they didn't actually really have a background in what they were like, you know, advising me on, but I took that advice and I spent thousands of dollars on a WordPress site, which like six months later, I ended up just moving over to Shopify and building a site for $1,500. So, you know, and I think, yeah, listening to listening to people and taking advice from the right people. And that's really hard when you're growing because you don't know who to listen to. Um, and I think that's probably where it comes back to really trusting your gut, but also, you know, working to get a bit of a circle around you. I think networking has been really helpful. I'm sure that's, I mean, this is, this, this is, is networking. Network, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I tried, like I set myself a bit of a goal. I was like, I'll connect with one person a month on LinkedIn and just go for a coffee. And like, what do I have to lose? Like it's a coffee. And I've met so many people that way. And it's actually made recruiting so much much easier. Like the last two roles I've hired, I didn't even go to market with them. I just kind of went through a network of people that I've been speaking to and like, you know, sent out the role and was able to find people that way. So yeah. Yeah. I've, 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 I've said that before on the podcast, like I've had the best experience hiring through our network Mm. because like it it, it eliminates so much of the guesswork, you know, you know, from that. So yeah. Now I wanted to ask another question about the, 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 you know, scale up phase, particularly around the e-commerce part now. What do you feel like were the main channels that you really started to like that allowed you to start achieving this scale? Was it just like a slow build and like you were finding new customers? As you said, you have such a high returning customer rate up to 50% sometimes. Was it just a gradual build or was there like a a channel um, or a moment that allowed you to like unlock extra growth? For us, it was obviously it was like five years ago, but it was like when we really understood like Facebook ads and obviously that that's an obvious one, but what was it for you? Yeah. Very much the same. Um, we kind of went, went, got onto Facebook ads probably, yeah, about five years, six years, five or six years ago now. So quite similar um, and definitely organic Instagram. I mean, I got onto the platform as soon as it launched. Like I mentioned, I was posting on Facebook, on my Facebook wall. There was no Instagram at the time. So when Instagram started, it was like people posting sunsets and like overly filtered photos. So I kind of started posting what was my personal account. I posted bikinis on there and then that kind of developed traction and we grew quite quickly on there. Um, so I think a, a combination of um, paid ads and also Instagram. And in terms of like focuses for the brand in 2023, as I was saying, like e-commerce things change all the time. What are the, where, where are you spending your time? Like where are your focuses for the next six months? Like to close out the year, what channels are really important to your business? So obviously Facebook ads and Instagram ads are going to remain a vital part, but you guys started exploring TikTok. What are the other channels that you've been able to use? Because like to grow such a big business, you obviously can't be over-reliant on, on any one channel. Yeah, definitely. I think SEO has been really good for the business. Um, that's something that is definitely a slow burn. And like I always say to people, do not invest in that at the beginning. Again, I remember someone saying to me, oh, you've got to invest in SEO. And I mean, like, you know, we've probably spent quite a lot of money on SEO and we've seen the results, um, now, but that's, you know, 18 months of lead up. And like, now we're like number one ranked for Australian bikinis and a few other keywords, which, um, we just, yeah, you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't never be ranked if you didn't really invest in the SEO. So I guess SEO has been really good for the business, um, Google ads, Facebook ads. And yeah, I think, I guess 2023 where, 
um, yeah, really just continuing to do those things. And I mean, TikTok's a big one. I was quite hesitant to get on the TikTok platform. I guess being a bit of a millennial, I was kind of like, I don't know about it. Like, do you just dance? And I didn't <laughs> quite understand it. And it wasn't until, you know, we hired our social um, and content coordinator, Charlotte, she really kind of pushed for us to create really you know, engaging content that was trend driven. And, um, you know, she could whip up a TikTok in 10 minutes. I'm like, wow, like, yeah. you know, it's just, um, and that's also been amazing for the business. Like I think we've grown to 50,000 followers in like six months of actually putting Crazy, effort right? into the platform. So I think that's a really, a really great platform to be investing time into. Yeah. I feel like I'm too old for TikTok, like to fully live and breathe it. Like, like these, like these, these kids without making myself sound too old, they whip shit up so quickly. I'm I like, know. holy shit. Like, I want it. And I was saying like Joe's 24. Um, is that you're Gen Z millennial? You're Gen Z. Yeah, Gen Z. Wow, Gen <laughs> Z. Yeah, Gen Z's room full of Gen Z's. Anyway, um, like I wanted to like, because I, I'm, I'm a big believer in like, I want to develop the skills for myself. Like I don't just want to say, hey, create all this content for me. Um, I wanted to be able to have that skill for myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do some reels for myself. I'm like, I, I do one. I'm like, I've spent four hours doing this. I'm like, I, I don't have the time. Yeah. So that was a big moment for me. It's like giving up the like kind of control in a way and be like, just do it for me. Like yeah. as much as I want to, I think, and particularly for entrepreneurs at the start, whatever like niche you're in, like do everything yourself, build those skills yeah. yourself because it's so valuable. Like I can't just whip up a TikTok in like half an hour, you know, yeah. what I mean? it'll take me so much longer. It'll be, probably be shit. Like I'll miss like the, you know, what, what's, what's the trends? So what, what, what do you do? Is it, is it your team that helps you stay plugged in? Like, how do you stay like at the forefront of like technology changes, trends, fashion? What yeah. do you do for that? I mean, interesting though, what you said about the whole doing thing, I think that's so important is like really making sure that you can do everything. But I think understanding what you're good at though is really important. Um, so yeah, I definitely resonate with what you said then. And in terms of, I guess, staying up to date with trends and I guess, I feel like I live in the, like I live in the Instagram world and I, I guess TikTok, I've definitely started to come more on board on with. I think it's really important to, to like, I used to like allocate, I'm like, okay, an hour a day I have to spend on TikTok. And now I actually have like time is set on cause I cannot get off it. Um, so it definitely, it's very addictive, but, um, yeah, I think just being in this space, I think being engage with other brands and other, you know, influencers and um, people around me that are, I guess our target market, it's quite easy I, I find it quite easy because I feel like it's, it's, it's me, I guess. Like it's my, um, my, like I, I would, I'm by these customers. So I engage with uh, the content that I think our customers would as well. So I feel like I just live and breathe it naturally. Um, I think I'd find it really challenging, say if I had like a menswear business and I had to kind of engage with a whole different, you know, a uh, range of content. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I know exactly what you mean. And, and, and it's difficult to, to, to understand all things and wear all hats. Like, for me, one one thing with like TikToks is like it's so dangerous because it's so easy to get get in that caught in that trap and like oh shit now I've got to limit myself because it can suck up time so much and why like I said it's important to get to know the channels and like and it's it's a really smart thing to do and it comes from people like way way more like clued on than me people like Gary V who's a mentor of mine like he even spends the time on the platforms but if you're not doing it like consciously and strategically and with a purpose then it is a fucking waste of time. But if you're doing it to learn and see what's happening and then you're actually implementing your learnings, it's, it's, it's definitely worth it. So just the message out there, cause like so many people just fucking sit around and don't do anything. They've got all these big ideas. I hate to be that guy that says it, but like there's so many people, big ideas and they don't action it. So yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, I did, I, I did want to ask you another thing. You, you were talking about all the advice you used to get. 
And I've been a young person. I was 24 when I started the business. So I got, you know, loads of advice of everyone. Everyone wants to tell you what they think you should do. Does anything stand out as like the worst piece of advice that you got? Um, probably the Shopify one, to be That's honest, was probably the worst one. Cause I'm like, that was just that I feel like we lost six months of, you know, growth there. But, yeah. um, I think, I think maybe just, um, probably engaging with people who at the core didn't have the same values as me. So I think, I think, you know, just, yeah, I, I don't know if that's a, yeah, I feel like probably the Shopify thing. And then I think just probably general advice where like you'd speak to people and they'd say something and you kind of walk away and you'd be like, I don't think I'd ever say that to someone. Like, you know, when they'd get, when people would give advice on like how, like, you're like, I've got this issue with staff and they'd be like, okay, well, what about this? And you're like, that just doesn't feel aligned to how I would speak to someone or how I would do something. So I think just trying to find your own way of doing things. And I think having a range of mentors I th- I've had throughout by D is really important because sometimes I'll speak to one, they'll say one way and then I'll speak to another. And I'm like, okay. And then I'd find somewhere in the middle. Mm. Well, that's another thing. Like never like resting on your laurels, feeling like, you know, so much, like it can, it can be really easy. And I see a lot of particularly e-com entrepreneurs, they make it, make a bit of fast money and they think they're liking shit, but it's like, we always got to realize I know myself, like, I don't know, there's so much I don't know. And like working with mentors is such a great way to continue to like level up your skill set, your experience, your knowledge. What's some of the biggest things that you've, you've taken away from, from some of these mentors that you've been able to implement? Mm, I think probably like, um, management, I think like no university degree teaches you how to manage people. I think that's been a really key one, um, to learn is, is managing. And I think building the team, like who to hire and how to hire, like at by D we have, um, you know, managers and then kind of go, we go down from there. So I don't have like eight people reporting into me. I have three people reporting into me and then they have their teams that report to them. So whilst I have contact with everyone still, we're still a small team, you know, I'm not doing the performance reviews with, um, you know, you know, our social media coordinators, or I'm not doing, I'm not doing, I'm not in the nitty gritty of that. And I think if I was, it would be very difficult to kind of continue to grow because you need to be yes, in the mindset of what's next and future kind of future pace rather than I guess constantly in the now. And I think having a really good senior leadership team, which being mentored allowed me to understand and the importance of that has helped. Yeah. Particularly like you said, and, and I, and I'm the same, like you didn't have like the formal management training where you learn about structures and stuff. Like you just had an idea, you did it and holy shit, I, I've got 10 people on like that. I, that I need to, you know, mentor and, and, and help them grow and thrive in their own lives. But they also have to, you know, really help the business move forward. And if they're not, how do I manage that and navigate those sorts of things? It's, 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 it's one of the hardest parts to truly get that right. So I think it's one of the best things. Yeah. To, to go to mentors from that. Now, I want to ask you about some highs and lows because we all have them in business. Like there's usually more like challenges than than there are highs, but the highs make everything worth it. Mm. What do you think? Do you want to start with the high or the low? What do you you want to start with? Um, Let's go low. Let's go the low. Finish on a good note. Finish on a good note. What do you think that the toughest day of your business journey has been? Mm, Toughest day of the business journey. That's a good one. I think, I don't know if it's like a day I can necessarily record of like one day, but I think, you know, there's been times where sometimes, you know, you've got this amazing team around you, but at the end of the day, everything does fall back to you. Like you are the one carrying the load and 
you know, things have happened and everyone's gone home and you're like, fuck, there's still this really big problem. And I'm like trying to really think of one. And I think, you know, things just like perhaps it's happened a couple of times, but like a lot of stock, I guess this is probably a good one. Last year, um, Christmas time, we had all of our Christmas fabric that was um, due to our factory to to make all the bikinis in time for Christmas. It got stuck in Indonesian customs and they just decided not to release it. And they wanted like a lot of money. So our factory was in negotiations with them. That ended up lasting two months. We did never got the fabric in time for Christmas. We completely missed Christmas. We had next to no stock. And so it wasn't necessarily one day. I guess it was like a couple of months of just like turmoil and us trying to problem solve that. And I think, you know, that we, we can only do, the team can only do so much at the end of the day. I'm the one that's still left with the overheads, still got, you know, two rents to pay, you know, wages to pay. And, you know, at this time we just signed a new lease for this store. And I remember just sitting there being like, what have I done? Like I've we're opening up a store and like, we literally have no stock. We're making next to no money. This is like, I've gone in way of my head. And I remember just being like very doomsday. Um, you know, we eventually got the fabric you know, we got momentum back, but it was a really tough time. And I think that's probably, um, one of the most challenging, that was probably one of the most challenging times, but also just knowing that you're kind of in it alone sometimes I think is really hard. Um, yeah. What got you through that really tough couple of months? I mean, the end of the day, like what, what is the choice you have? Like, I'm not going to pack up and go like, where am I going? Like, I think, and that's like, what you have to remember is there's, there's no other option, but to push forward. It's like, I always would say like tomorrow's a new day, one foot in front of the other, like there is no other option. And sometimes like, you know, when you have to make really hard decisions, like you just, I just sometimes like, you know, go into a bit of a mode and I'm like, this is, this is the only option I've got. Like, I've just got to do it. And like, you kind of go into a bit of a, like out of body, like, you know, out of body kind of mode. I'm sure you've kind of been in that before where you've had to either enter a really hard conversation or just like go to work under difficult circumstances. And I'm like, we can only push forward. And I think just like trying to stay positive and, you know, trying to like, you know, keep momentum for the team. Cause you don't want everyone to think that everything's falling to pieces. So yeah, it's, um, it's hard, but I think it's just, there's no other choice. You, you seem like a really positive person, but have you ever had any moments of doubt? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think doubt always kind of creeps in like every now and then. And I think done a lot of kind of personal work and personal coaching. And I feel like doubt comes from a lack of confidence and a lack of confidence comes from being scared of the unknown for me. And I think kind of embracing that I don't know everything. That's okay. We can work it out. There's people around me that can help me. If they can't help me, I'll find someone that can help me. And I think just having that confidence, I feel like no problem is impossible. Um, and yeah, I think like when the doubt kind of shadows in, I'm like, I just kind of, I, I guess I just push through it. So yeah, I do, but I feel like probably less than what I used to. What's your relationship with the unknown? Does it excite you? Does it scare you? Mm, it yeah. I'd say a bit of both. I'd say I love not knowing exactly what's ahead. I think that's super exciting. And I feel like I love just thinking like, we could open a store in Mykonos. We could open, <laughs> like, you know, like I love just kind of having these like really crazy and like crazy ideas and being able to just kind of, um, yeah, come up with those and, and think, oh, no, that won't work. Let's do this. And like, be, and not have this kind of set path. I think, you know, these big businesses often they've got this five-year strategy and people are like, you've got your three-year strategy. I don't really want a three-year strategy. I'm like, I'm quite happy with the 12-monther and then like review it every quarter. Like, because I feel like 
there's so much changing, especially in the world we live in. Like, you know, we didn't think opening a store would be great for us. It's been amazing for us. So that's like something we might look at to explore. If I did a five-year plan, maybe the store would never have been on it. I just kind of came across this space. I'm like, a store would be awesome down here. Well, it's zoned for retail. Great. Let's open a store. It kind of just like flowed. And I feel like that's allowed us to be quite agile and make, you know, decisions um, without having a set strategy and a set, like, you know, out of box uh, growth plan. Yeah. I, I think I relate in, in, in a bunch of ways because like I'm, I'm a big planner and thinker and dreamer. So like, I think having like five year visions for your life and goals like in that way is fine, but a proper business plan any more than a year, you're like, you, you're things change so quickly. You know what I mean? So I'm exactly the same. I, I feel like as long as you're checking back in and, and reviewing, whether it be quarterly or six monthly, the path you're on, is it still the right path? Does it still feel right? Like, does it still feel, feel like it's, it's the right way? Like, are you listening to your garden and, and your intuition and not just making decisions and like make a decision like three years ago. And because, you know, three years ago, Dylan wanted that or three years ago, Desi wanted that you still like become a slave to that old plan or that old dream. Yes, exactly. Have you, have you had any times where you've pivoted and you just realized that, no, that's not the way I want to do it anymore. And, and you've felt so much better about it is I mean, all the time, to be honest, like even the team's like, oh, we're, we're, we're doing so, like, you know, it could be, for example, um, we would usually launch two main collections and two capsule collections. The capsules would only last six months. The mains, main would last 12 months. Well, when a capsule continuously sells out, why are we stopping it after six months? Like from a sales perspective, but also from a customer's perspective, they still want it, but we're saying, oh no, capsules only for six months. So I'm like, well, why are we doing that? Like yeah. that was just a rule we made up, but like, we don't have to stick to that. Like we can do whatever we want. Like if that's what the customer wants and if that what's what is, if that's what makes sense for the business, let's do it. So I feel like we're quite, um, we're quite, yeah, agile. We just, yeah, yeah. And super flexible. I think it's so important. And, um, yeah, there's constantly decisions. I think like, you know, like I mentioned the make the opening a store was never on the radar, came across a place, opened a store. I think, um, you know, we, we did a PR, um, like a PR event over in LA and the day, two days before the event, we, um, it was actually, was it, um, it was Anzac. Okay. Yeah. It was Anzac day. And I was sitting down, it was like six o'clock in the morning and I like saw this DM and the DM was from this, um, influencer from us. And she was like, I cannot wait to meet the faces behind the brand. I've been loving this brand for so many years. I'm a customer and I can't, I'm like so excited that now I'm an influencer attending the event. And we weren't, we weren't planning to go over. We were like, we had it with an external PR agency. And at the time I was kind of onboarding our general manager. There was a lot going on within the business. And I was like, I just can't be away. And I called Simona, our digital marketing manager. And I was like, um, what do you think about going to LA? Like, what do you think if I, if I go to LA with Charlotte on, on Friday? And she was like, like, it was Tuesday. I said, tomorrow, what if we fly out tomorrow and we make it for the event on Friday? And she was like, yeah, like, I think we should. Okay, great. So I, we called Charlotte and I'm like, if we can get an Esther in, in the next 12 hours, we'll go. And so we applied for the Esther. Hers came through straight away and mine didn't. And I was like, oh, well, we're not oh. going. <laughs> it doesn't come through. But it came through a couple of hours later and we booked the flight. And at 2 p.m. the next day we were on. So within like 27 hours, we because I saw that DM and I'm like, we have to go over there. And we were in LA and we made a trip of it. And it was amazing. See, like we already, it's already transitioned naturally to like what makes like business so great. Like the fact that you can do that, you have the power, the freedom to, you know, just fucking make like spontaneous decisions and just go to America. Like, let's go, let's go yeah. do this is like most rewarding part of like, cause you take so much risk, you know, being in business, like to, those moments is like, they're so sweet. What, what, is there a moment like, or a day, an evening, whatever, whatever, 
what what comes to like mind if I just say like what's been your favorite the favorite experience of this this whole ride? Yeah, to be honest, I think the last six months I feel like I've really gotten into my groove of what I want to do. You know, I I knew I wanted to be a creative director. I knew I wanted to travel with the business. You know, create help create the content, bring the products to life. Kind of the overarching creative direction for all of our ranges. That's what I'm passionate about. That's what I love. And I think the last couple of years I've been quite stuck, like I mentioned, in the day to day operations of just getting this business off the ground and running. And I think now, like the hard work of kind of just making sure we've got the right people. We've got some processes set up now where automated a lot of things. Like we're on a really good trajectory in terms of business. So I'm like, now I get to kind of have a bit of fun and step into what I love to do. Like hiring this general manager, you know, the goal was that I can travel to these campaigns and travel for a month at a time and go and, you know, be in these amazing locations and be part of the, of the, of the shoot. And, um, and then also get inspiration for future collections. So I think probably a moment was, I, I just came back a couple of weeks ago from Milos. So we went to LA back, I was back for six days and then went to Greece. So like even just those six days, I was like, I'm off again. Everyone's like, Oh my God, you're off again. You must be jet lagged. I'm like, I'm I'm too excited (laughs) to be jet lagged. Like I'm not jet lagged. I like, you know, I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm so grateful. Cause I'm like, this is what, this is what I've always wanted to do. And I feel like it's only the last six months. And like, you know, in August and we're going to um, like shooting in France and Portugal. And I feel like just even planning that trip whilst I was in Milos, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, wow, like this is a real pinch me moment because this is like, I feel like this is why I've done this. And um, I feel like I'm finally kind of getting there, which is really exciting from a personal perspective. Do you, do you feel like you've gotten better in particularly the last six months of like celebrating the small wins as they come up and enjoying those moments? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, um, yeah, I think I still have a way to go, to be honest. I think I, um, I probably still need to learn. And that's something I guess I'm working on. Like we're all working on things, but yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely better, but I think there's room to room to improve them. Well, let, let's say like that big recent campaign that you did a couple, couple of weeks ago, massive like results. How do you celebrate that? Yeah. I mean, celebrating it with the team that was like, you know, like I mentioned, we had cocktails and we watched the light like that. We did that. But I guess personally, to be honest, I didn't like, I kind of just went home and I'm like, okay, what's next? Like, and like back on that bandwagon. So I think like, I don't know, I guess I like thrive off the adrenaline of what's next. I don't know if I'm like a great like sitter and like ponderer of like, wow, it's so great. Isn't it? Like, I'm just like, okay, gosh, it's selling so quickly. We need enough stock. Do we have enough stock? Like, you know, straight into straight that. into that, like, you know, and, um, yeah. Was that your biggest day? Yeah. After that campaign? Yeah. Do you want, do you want to share what it was or you want to keep that secret? Um, I think we'll keep that one, yeah. but yeah. It's like, but from, from the market stalls to like, to that day, like you got to like, surely, and, and we don't, and I'm the same, but it's yeah. like, the, because I have these conversations all the time, it's like, no, cause I, I speak to people in, in, in e-com all the time that are, that I'm mentoring, that I'm working with. And sometimes when I'm, I'm like, just like getting them to know me that I was talking about my journey, I see the way they, they look and they smile and like the things we do are so many fucking people's dream. Yeah. It's like, there's so many people's dream and it's like, we get to fucking do that every day. Even me now, it's like, I've done three days of like, just full of podcasts this week. Like I was yeah, saying, wow. it's like, how is that my life? And like, I'll still be stressed out. I'm like, Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to research. It's like, dude, like slow down for a second and like, just realize how awesome, how awesome life is. And I feel like I'm working on that too. Um, we all are, but I think it's so fucking important because we're in that generation of like fast, 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 like instant dopamine hits. We're always stressing about what's next. How do I have more, more, more? And it's like, you look at like the mental health rates of like people struggling with mental health compared to like our parents' generation. 
we struggle so much more. And I feel like because we're all so plugged in mm-hmm. to like everyone else, what's going on around us, we always feel like we need to do more to, for whatever stupid fucking reason, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? What do you think it is for you that, that drives you to always want more, to do more, to achieve more? Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, I think I love, like, I think, and I think something I've realized is like, there's no destination. So like, there's no, like, you're never going to get anywhere. Cause every time you put a destination in place, you then create a new one. So you're like, once I get here, I'll be happy. And then you get there and you're like, okay, no, I'm, I didn't quite mean that when I get here, I'll be really happy. And then you get there and then you're like, no, not when I get, so I think for me, I've kind of like started to stop kind of putting those in place of like, when I get here, I'll be happy. And I'm really trying to get into the groove of, I guess, like just being like sitting in it, like I mentioned, and it's, it's definitely a work in progress. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's just a hard one. I think like you mentioned this generation, it's like where we're constantly looking at people's highlight reels. Like, you know, you probably would, I've I've podcasted three times this week, but we're probably not seeing your inbox probably has 300 emails in it, (laughs) you know, from, from doing that. So, but people aren't seeing that they're saying like, Oh my God, Dylan's podcasted three times this week. Like, fuck, he's killing it. But like, they're not looking at like, you go home, you've got invoices to send to your bookkeeper. You've got all these things to do, which you're doing after hours after living your dream. So I think, yeah, there's, there's so many different sides to it, but I think, um, yeah, I think, definitely trying to relish in it, but also there is a whole nother side to it. Yeah. And like removing the pressure of the results all the time. Like, yeah. cause like you said, there's no destination, not everything's going to be perfect. And I feel like the biggest hack unlock that anyone could get is just to truly be okay with that. Yeah. Like we can say, yeah, I'm okay with it, but really we know we're burning if like, yeah. things aren't going right. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, We'll start to wrap up, but I want to ask uh, a, a few questions before we do. When we have the e-com guest in, I just like to get like questions, not not even e-com questions, just like about life and about some of the changes you've done. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've realized about like, you know, ultra successful people or high performers or people that have been able to change their life, even if it is in a small way, is linked back to habits, mm-hmm. right? Have there been any habits, practices, rituals that you've, that you've introduced to your life that have helped enable you to, to achieve the growth you have? Yeah. I think routine's a big one. I think I, I, when I started, I kind of strive to not have routine cause I'm like, I love to be spontaneous, but I think, you know, you can't really be productive and spontaneous and, and, be spontaneous and productive. It's like quite hard. I think it's very tricky. I think being able to be, um, you know, have your priorities and like, I think calendar blocking is like a really big one, like time blocking, like, you know, even time blocking, like going to the gym or like, you know, just even taking half an hour for yourself. Like I literally put that in my calendar. Cause I'm like, if I don't put that there, I won't do it. So that's really helped me to structure my days and structure my time. And I think knowing that time is so valuable. Like it's, I think it's more valuable than, than money. Essentially. I think time is so valuable. So I think the way I making sure the way I use my time is, you know, what is going to drive the business forward, but also make me happy. And I think finding that balance. It, time's all we've got. Yeah. Right? Is, is that something like, and, and again, we're saying really obvious things here, mm. but it's like, there's getting it and getting it. Yeah. It's like, cause I, for me, when I realized, cause I'm, I'm naturally my, my strengths were like energy and, 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 and if I'm into something like I can just focus all in on it and get shit done and yeah. smash things out. And I can have these periods of time where like I'll work from the mo- like eight o'clock in the morning to midnight and I'll be sweet. Then there's obviously like the periods of like burnout. You don't feel as good. I realized when, like, I didn't realize the importance of, of like structuring your days and your calendars and, and being disciplined and sticking to that until I had so many things on my plate. And I, and there was a period where I went to, I'm like, I'm actually fucking getting nothing done in any of them. 
Nothing you, done in You end up working, like you're kind of working backwards. So you're like, oh, I've got that meeting. Yeah. Oh, I've got that. And it's like, then you, you're actually like working to catch up all the time. Like you're actually working, yeah, backwards. Like it feels. And it's like, you're always chasing your tail. And yeah. so many entrepreneurs are busy being busy. Yeah. And I, I, I have days that I do that. And I'm like, fuck, I wasn't actually really productive to what I wanted. That's why I'd like, if you just have at least your three priorities for each yeah. day that, you know, like they're the high like they're the high value priorities, those tasks. It might take you three hours. It might, might take you half an hour to do all of them. But if you can focus on at least those, because the structured days when you're in business, they're ideal, but like things pop up, you can't, mm. you can't always like stick to that. No. And I think reviewing the way you're doing things, like reviewing process, I think process is so important. Like, are you doing something the really long way? Is there a faster way to do it? Like we use Asana in the business, which is really helpful in yeah. terms of just having all of our projects there and a communication with the team and, um, you know, priorities and subtasks. And it's really good for us to kind of keep each other accountable and also know what everyone's working on and, you know, just collaborate. And I think that's, um, that's been really helpful as a whole business. And then personally, I use it to kind of manage my personal priorities and um and then calendar blocking yeah yeah there's no way we could do what we do without click up yeah it's been such a game-changing tool in terms of process like particularly because with the podcast it's such a collaborative thing mm. like there's me there's joe who, who who are research guests and do all the invites and and do like a lot of like the the planning and then i've got i've got to go in and 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 you know edit things and prove and then it goes to a different edit. like there's so much it's like really like finding these the like little things like click up Asana, things that you can use to better improve process. And that's something because like podcast started as something like on the side, mm. not on the side, but it was like, okay, the, the I've got multiple businesses to run. That's, that's going to be like a lower priority, but very quickly I fell in love with this. And it's like, I needed to level up my ability to do more. I needed to get better at structure, at collaboration, at using these things, or I would have, or I would have failed. So it's like these new opportunities that, that you move into new country, um, whatever they may, they force you to go. Yeah. They force you to go. So I feel like they can be really good things. Um, another question I want to ask you is in terms of like books, podcasts, anything like, is there anything that you remember that you've read that, that a mentor said along the way that really like opened your eyes to something you were, you were missing before? Mm. Yeah. I think, um, I like the podcast hour of CEO. I think he has some oh. really good, yeah, some really good guests on there. And I think, um, I've kind of followed Barbara, Barbara Corcoran for like a little okay, while. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I think being a female in business, I think you kind of, I think it's nice to align with other females in business. And I feel like she's such a, like a, like so tough and so like, you can just see the years of experience. Like she just is so strong and so decisive. And I feel like that's something that I'm really working. And I think, you know, working towards is like being able to be so aligned with myself that I can make decisions and be so confident in them. I think as a business owner, sometimes you make a decision like, Oh, is that the right one? I don't know. And like, just to get back in tune with your gut when you're making like 20 decisions a day, you know, the first five, you're like, yep, all good. And the last 15, you're like, Oh God, this is exhausting now. And like, you know, sometimes, you know, they'll put, um, at the end of the day, the girls will put like color swatches, like, which red do you like? I'm like, honestly, right now, any of them, like they all look the same same right now, but you know, they're things that I, I love to be across. And I feel like being able to kind of get back in tune. And I think she does that really well. And she talks, you know, really well about just, um, you know, being in tune with your gut and just being super decisive. And I just love that. Yeah. I love that too. It's so important. And, um, last question before, like we properly wrap this up is 
and and you you kind of gave us one example with Asana. So if you don't have another one, I'll, I'll let you off the hook. But like, whether it be business or personal life, like what's your favorite? Because for people in e-com in business, these things can be really game changers. What's your favorite, whether it be an app on your phone, a software you use for the business, what's one piece of technology that has made your life easier? Yeah. One piece of technology that has made my life easier. I would say, I mean, like we did say Asana's work, but like, I guess it's kind of just like a chat platform. Probably Google calendars. Yeah. Google calendars. I think it's just, yeah. So easy in terms of like you send an invite, you've got a link straight away, jump yeah. on a call. Like you can do it within seconds, like move your calendar around. They get to like, I just, I love it. I live by Google calendar. Like even like my partner will be like, okay, we're going for dinner here. I'm like, yeah, popping. In. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I probably, I'm like, if I just not there, I'm not doing it. Like yeah, oh, exactly. it needs to be there. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I put mostly like nearly everything. Like yeah. anytime I'm going to dinner with someone, like it's got to go in the calendar or I will forget because if you try and keep track of all that shit inside your head, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Totally. So, um, what, what's the big vision? Where, where are we going? Where, where, where's the, where's this going? Like what you've been already in, in the business since 2018. It started really before that 2013. So yeah. 10 years in business, creating products. Congratulations on, on a decade yeah, um, thank you. of doing that. But what's, what's next? Where do you want to take it? Yeah. I mean, what's next? I think like everyone asks me that and I'm like, what's next? I think like continuing to, to do what we're doing, but on a larger scale, I think we kind of want to find more body babes around the world. I think, um, you know, tapping into new markets for us is really exciting. Um, you know, we're looking at markets in EU and UK. I mean, when I was at the markets, we had such a big, um, had a lot of German customers, which is something we haven't really been able to tap into from an e-com perspective because of the VAT and duty. So that's something we're really looking into now and, and, you know, driving to, um, being able to deliver to yeah, Europe and UK and just other markets that we can unlock and see what the potential is there. I think, um, definitely a few more stores. I, I love, the, I love the stores. I think it's um, kind of takes me back to my market days and like yeah. seeing the customers, you know, in the head office, it's been so awesome seeing their like firsthand response when they try on the products and like the way they, you know, they put it on you like, okay, you can tell instantly she loves it or if she doesn't like it. And like, I think that's been really exciting. So definitely tapping into a little more retail, um, not too much. I think just a few flagships would be really uh, yeah. awesome. Um, and yeah, just continuing to grow and scale and keep doing what we're doing, but bigger and better. Yeah. Well, You've already done such amazing things. You've come so far. So I'll be watching, like you said, it's the best way to connect with people like this. So I'm a major fan of what you guys have done. So I'll definitely be be watching. Um, where's the best place people can find either yourself or, or or the brand? Yeah, definitely. So I'm on Instagram personally, Desi Harris, and we've got um, Instagram for the business by D underscore AUS or our website um, by com. And your last name, is it Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S or H-A-I-R-I-S? Harris, H-A-I-R-I-S. Yeah. I'm like, you put it different in different places, don't you? Yeah, I think I think it is different on my um, Facebook, but I think my Instagram's the same. Oh, I don't, yeah. I, but as I said, when I'm <laughs> researching, when I'm researching, I'm going deep. So okay, yeah, I, so I've had my last name spelt wrong my entire life. So okay, yeah, me too. So yeah. it could just be a misspell. Right, on that note, um, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much, awesome. Desi. Thank you so much um, for having me. It's been so yeah, lovely. Thanks for coming. Thank you to the crew. Yes, uh, for joining us. Thank um, you. First podcast in the book, so first of many, I'm sure. Yes, awesome. Thanks so much. Done. Thanks, Joseph. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do your friends a favor and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.